All right, well, um, the sermon today, the Lord always speaks to me very funny, and uh, sometimes Brian, and when, when Brian and I are talking, and I say, well, this is what happened, he laughs about how, how he interacts with me. God is very particular uh, with you, very personal in the way that he deals with each one of us, and uh, I get a kick out of the different ways that he talks to each of us, and he speaks to each of us. I know uh, Brian Pinch was saying that God gives him one-word things, you know, boom. And he, sometimes he gets frustrated because he's like, what am I going to do with one word? I get this one word. But he knows that Brian's going to be very intense, and he's going to be very intentional about it, so that's how he speaks to him. Well, for me, I don't know if the Lord knows that I'm busy a lot, and so this is how he does it, or if he uh, just can't get me quiet. I mean, it's possible that he just can't get me quieted down, but usually he will speak to me in that time that you are sleeping and you haven't quite woken up, but you've, you're kind of conscious, you know, your eyes are still closed. And I, I tell Brian that it feels like he's sitting next to the bed, and as soon as I roll over, he says, okay, listen. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my brain is going, oh, okay, well, apparently we're listening. So this particular day, Brian had told me that I was going to be speaking for men's, for Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to everyone, by the way. Um, and so I, of course, was starting to prepare what, should, what I have to say, what I want to say. And so the Lord wakes me up in the night, and he just starts saying this to me. I had been worried before I went to bed. Um, not stressed, but just kind of realizing and acknowledging the world that we live in. You know, I have a, a wonderful son and daughter-in-law who are raising two young boys and another one on the way and a daughter who's raising a little baby. And sometimes I worry. Sometimes I, I get concerned for the world that they're growing up in, these little ones. And especially for Spencer and Danica because they're raising boys. And honestly, our culture is very tough on boys and men right now. Very, very tough. It is hard. And so we were talking about kind of the, the way the culture is right now, and, and I'm thinking about these little boys of mine, these little Reuben and Cyrus, and I just was grieved about how the culture was and what was going on, and I just was kind of saying to the Lord, how are they going to raise these kids? How are they going to parent these kids? How are they going to make them understand the truths of God in a culture where truth is such a... a elusive thing. And so I went to bed, and then when I rolled over, there's God, and he begins to say this phrase to me, agree with me. He says, agree with me. Okay, Lord, I agree with you. Because I talk back to him, because sometimes I'm still tired, and I want to get back to sleep, and I think if I say something to him, he'll quiet down. It doesn't work. So I say, he says, agree with me. Agree with me agree with me. And so I begin to understand that God is saying there are so many things in life and the problem is we have to take it back to what, what do we know about God and agree with him. How are Danica and Spencer going to raise sons that serve the Lord? Because they're going to agree with God and the things of God. So he begins to tell me this, agree with me, agree with me. And he's repeating it so many times that finally I say, God, I'm a girl. I agree with you. I'm living like a girl. I raised
raise my kids. I have agreed with you. I don't know what you're getting at. Now, mind you, this was after we had talked to the church about the fact that God was saying, you need to move on. There's something new coming. So I said, I agree with you on that, Lord. Whatever it is there, I agree with you. Just let me go back to sleep. <laughs> agree with me. Agree with me. Agree with me. And then, because I just got a new uh, creative journaling Bible, and it lets you write things in the margins, you know, so you can take things that are important to you and you can journal them out in the side. So what does God do? He writes it. Agree with me. And I just said, okay, Lord, I agree with you. I agree with you. Please let me go back to sleep. So the next morning I wake up, he finally does relent and let me go back to sleep. And I tell Brian about what happened. And he, I say to him in the car, we were driving somewhere, and I tell him all that what happened. And he said, wow, that's interesting. I say, do you suppose there's any place in the Bible where it actually says, agree with me, agree with God? Well, it, you know, of course, we Google it, because that's the best thing to do when you're looking for something in the Bible. You Google it. So I, M Michaela's in the back seat, and she Googles, agree with me. And what pops up is Job 22, 21 through 22 in the ESV. Now, if you don't have the ESV, yours is going to look slightly differently, but this is what popped up when we put it in. And it says, agree with God and be at peace, thereby goodwill come to you, receive instruction from his mouth, and lay up his words in your heart. So immediately I said, okay, great. Peace comes when we agree with God. Now that is not revolutionary to anybody. Agreement brings peace. We're seeing our president meeting with Kim Jong-un and agreement brings peace. You know, there's nothing new with that. That they get together, they have uh, peace agreements. We understand that agree agreement with God brings peace. There's nothing revolutionary about that. But God didn't say to me, in the middle of the night when I was struggling with being at peace and struggling with concerns over how the world was going to go, he didn't say, uh, obey or come into line or something like that. He said, agree. So I looked up what the word agree meant, and it says, concur, admit, concede, or be in harmony. That's just a dictionary definition of it looking up what the word agree means. And so it's more than obedience. It's more than just saying, okay, God said it, so I've got to do it, and kind of getting in line and lining up. Because I tend to be, and you can ask my parents about that, I tend to be pretty compliant. If it says don't walk on the grass, I don't walk on the grass. I mean, I follow the path. My husband will go, well, why can't we walk on the grass and step right out there? And I say, it just says not to walk on the grass. Get on the path. And I tend to be one that would agree naturally with the laws that are set out. Don't do this, do this, you know. I tend to be that way. I will kind of come under. But sometimes I will agree without consent, concur, I guess, admit, concede. Sometimes I do it. But the whole total agreement thing, I'm not sure if I go with. I mean, at work, they say, 
you know, here's how we want you to do it. Here's how we want you to do a specific thing. And one of the bosses that I had said, just drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> just engage it. Even if it's not the way you want to do it, just do it that way because that's the way you want them. They want it done. And so I would say, okay, that's fine. They want me to do it this way. It seems like the longest way to do it. It seems like the hardest way to do it, but if they're going to want me to do it, that's what I'll do. But you see, I'm agreeing with them, but I'm not necessarily conceding, and I'm not necessarily admitting. I'm just complying. Right? Complying. So agree is different than to just obey, consent, or comply. And of course, God gives me Job in the Old Testament. He knows me well. He knows that I love the Old Testament. And he gives me the book of Job where that first is, is written in about uh, agree. That's the first thing that came up when we looked it up, Job 22. So if you know anything about the story of Job, Job is, first of all, uh, in your Bible in the Old Testament, it's just before Psalm, but in a chronological Bible, in the chronological order of the way that Scripture came about, Job is very close to the beginning of the book. Like creation happened, then this encounter with Job. So it's very, very early on in the creation of the world that this encounter with Job went on. And Job was a man who walked with the Lord, but uh, God actually kind of drew his attention to Job, drew Satan's attention to Job. If you haven't read the book, it's very good um, kind of showing that God is in control. But the story goes, in short, that Job walked with the Lord and was a man that followed after God. And then uh, the enemy just came in and ravaged him and took everything that he had, took all of his riches, took family, took, you know, animals, whatever it was, even he, to where he was suffering in his body. And everything just like all in one fell swoop. You talk about some weeks you find that you just can't win for losing. He could not win for losing. That's who Job was. That's what was happening in Job's life. And he had three friends, they refer to him as Job's comforters, who came along and tried to help him. How many of you know when you're in a bad spot, sometimes friends are not helpful? Right? They come along and want to say, well, you know, my dad struggled with a sickness where his ears, he had meneers, and it would just cause him to be terribly sick, um, just quickly like that. He would be violently ill. And people would come trying to be Job's comforters and say, well, is there sin in your life? <sighs> okay, I took care of that first. I dealt with that first. Well, clearly you're not praying hard enough. And this was the kind of comforters that Job had because they couldn't understand why Job was suffering through this. So they kind of came and, and did this with him and tried to figure out why all of a sudden it seemed like God was against him. So Job did not ask for, enjoy, or appreciate his situation. So you wouldn't either. You, I'm sure you've been there in situations where you don't enjoy, appreciate, or ask for the situation you find yourself in. I mean, we all endure that. That's kind of living in this world. And that's where I feel like the Lord is saying, agree with me. Agree with me and live at peace. So that's what he said to Job. Agree with me 
and be at peace. Job was not at peace. He was very upset, constantly, you know, saying, why is this happening? Why is this happening? If I could just have a, you know, a chance to talk to God, let me present my case before the Lord. All this that he was saying, he was not happy with the situation, and he was definitely not at peace. But then this one says, agree with God and be at peace. So agreement with God can bring peace in your life even when your situations don't change. So agreement in a worldly sense, agreement where we come together to a summit, where we make terms of peace, that brings peace just in a worldly sense. But with God, you have to really agree. You have to concur, admit, concede, be in harmony with God in order to have peace in your life in a given situation. We look in uh, the New Testament, it's Paul. And if you've read this, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 9, he's got something going on in his life that he's not necessarily happy about. He didn't ask for, enjoy, or appreciate. And he asked the Lord to remove it from him. And this is what it says in the MEV. It says, I asked the Lord three times that this thing might depart from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So the same kind of thing that he said, I didn't like this. I don't like this. What's going on here? I'm not enjoying it. I didn't ask for it. And God basically says to him, agree with me. Agree with me about this thing. It's a tough call. Really, it's a tough call, but he said, agree with me. Uh, so the first one of peace coming from agreement, the first point there of peace coming from agreement, you may have things in your life that you don't like. I mean, God's got you in a spot right now, and you are just not happy about it. And if you pray and seek the Lord, Maybe he will say, agree with me. I tell you that this, um, this word from the Lord came after he said, your time at Northlake will end this year. And then he said, agree with me. Agree with me. And I don't want to just say, yes, Lord, I agree with you. And in my heart, not be able to agree with him. I want peace. So I have to say, okay, yes, Lord, I do agree. I agree. I agree. And sometimes I have to say it a couple times. But anytime God asks us to do something that's hard, and agree with me is not an easy thing. Agree with God is not an easy thing. I'm not telling you it's going to be an easy thing. There will be some things that it's going to be easy about. God tells me that I need to, as a mom, love my family. Is that something that's hard? Well, there are days. <laughs> but for the most part, agree with God in loving my family, easy to do. Yes, God, check that one off. Love my church family. Yes, God, check that one off. Be involved in Outreach, yes, God, I can do that one. There are certain things we can go down the list and we can agree with and we can check that box and it's very easy. And there are other things that he asks us to agree with him on when he is doing something hard 
that we are not checking that box willfully. We may check it and try without our heart being in it, but peace only comes when we really agree with God. So when he has an instruction for us that is difficult, I love and I often find, or I always find, that he gives us the how or the why. So verse uh, point two here is there is partnership in agreement. So when I went to go do study after finding out that um, Job said, agree with, Job 22 said, agree with me. When I went to go do a, a word study and kind of start talking about agreement, it didn't pop up. That, that the Job verse said agree with me. When I looked up the agreement words, there were all these other verses that came up that said agree, but not Job 22, 21 through 22. And so I thought, well, this isn't going to work. That was the first verse I had. I started to kind of build thoughts around that. So I went specifically to this uh, chapter, Job 22, 21 and 22, and I read it in other translations. Your translation may have this wording. It may say yield, submit. Um, let's see what else it may say. Be at peace or reconcile. In your version of Job 22, 21 through 22, it may say something different. In the MEV version, which is the um, modern English version that I got my journaling Bible in, um, it says, acquaint. It says, acquaint yourself with him. Acquaint yourself with him. I thought that was very interesting. What was translated agreement was actually acquaint yourself with him. Or could be otherwise translated, acquaint yourself with him. And I thought, okay, this is it, God. This is the why and the how of how we would agree with you. Because honestly, um, on those, those issues that you think, I don't know if I can agree with you on this, God. I'm really struggling with this. I don't, I don't want to consent to this. I, it's hard for me every day with this situation. Um, how do we do it? How do we agree with him? We can't just get up and say, okay, I'm going to agree now and manhandle our hearts into uh, submission in that. It's very difficult to do that, and it doesn't last long. We'll go real fine for a while, and then something else will come up, and we'll go, that's it. I knew I shouldn't have agreed with you. You know, that's where our heart is, immediately ready to jump ship. So here's where he tells us the how. I did this with my children, and I didn't even know that it was in keeping with Scripture, but I always would go back and say, you have to go back to who you know God is or what you know about God. So in this translation, it says, acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Now, that's about who God is. That's about who he is. That's like not what he does in your life, not, not the miracles he can perform, not whether he does or doesn't do a certain miracle or a certain invading into your life. This is about who you know God to be. For me, I learned, I went through a book uh, years ago about the names of God, all these names of God and where they came from in scripture and what they meant and how it, how it established the character of God. And it was awesome because when I'm in struggles where I have problem uh, 
consenting or concurring with God or agreeing with God, I can go back to these. There's one that is El Roy, E-L-R-O-I. And it means the God who sees. Now, obviously, he sees. But this is who sees ahead and makes provision. And the story it tells is of the maidservant of um, Abraham who had Ishmael and got sent away um, when Isaac was born and was basically dying in the desert. And God said, where are you? What are you doing to her? And she said, well, I'm basically going to die, me and the boy, because here we got sent out. And God says, no, go and get water and do all this, and he takes care of them. And she, this un, uh, not Jewish, this, this kind of outside of the faith lady, she names God El Roy, the God who sees, because she said, he saw me and watched out for me and made provision for me ahead of time. So the name of God, El Roy, is one that I go back to. Okay, God, I know you saw this before it even came up. I know that you saw this. I know you knew what was going to happen here, that I was going to be stuck on the side of the road, or that I was going to be stuck in this dead-end job, or that I was going to be stuck in this situation, and you've already made provision about how I'm going to get through this. So see, I'm going back to God's character. I'm going to Jehovah Jireh. I need provision. I'm at the end of the funds and not at the end of the month. I have to go back to God, who God is. Okay, God, I know this is who you are. How are you going to provide? Because I know this is who you are. So we have to go back to the attributes of God, the names of God, if you, if you know those, if you've studied those. If you haven't, it is an awesome thing to do, to get to know your God, to get to know who it is that you're serving here. So if we look at what the, what, what the word says about who he is, there's a couple situations here um, that we can pull up. Uh, in James, it says, let me see, I've got it marked here. In James 1.13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt anyone. Now, when someone says to me, well, I just know that God is, he's doing this to me because I didn't go to church the other week. Do you know who he is? Have you acquainted yourself with him? That's not who God is. That's not what he does. So if you're feeling that way, you need to go back and meet him again. You need to go back and acquaint yourself with him again. Remember who he is. If somebody will say, um, or in this verse it says, he cannot be tempted with evil. That means that when I normally as a person might retaliate against you because you've done something against me. You know, well, they weren't very kind to me, so I'm not going to give them this. That isn't God at all. And if you start to see him like that, and you start to say, oh, well, I didn't tithe last month, so he, I'm sorry, that's not how he is. That's not who he is. Now, does God want you to be in obedience with tithe? Does he say that blessing comes through that? Absolutely. But our God is not the one that's going to go then and beat you up for the next week. That's not who he is. So you acquaint yourself with him. 
Because if, when, we, when we begin to think that's who he is, who wants to serve a God like that? And we don't get into agreement with him. In uh, Numbers 23, 19, I love this one because it reminds me again uh, that I shouldn't basically, uh, I shouldn't count human attributes to God. I often do that. I see how somebody else might relate to me and I kind of attach that on to God. But it says here in Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie. nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he spoken and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? So if you're in a situation where you feel like God has said something to you or given you a promise to hold on to, either through his scripture or just that he's specifically spoken a word to you, and it's not happening and you don't see it. Don't let go of that. You go back and you write this on your mirror. And you say, okay, I got to remember again who God is. Because I'm having a problem with this. And I need to remember who he is to know that he'll be faithful. Acquaint myself again with God. So if you're in a spot where you've, you can't find agreement with God in your situation, you're just not happy with where you are, and yet God leaves you there and you don't like it, then you go back to, okay, God, I can't seem to find how to be at peace with this with you. You start going back and acquainting yourself with him again. Acquainting yourself with him again. My favorite on this, and this always just trumps on me, I read this verse and I just go, okay, God, I give. You're right. I'm done. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Do you know it? If you don't know it, it's a good one to memorize. And just a plug for memorizing scripture, when you're in one of these spots, the only thing that battles your flesh man speaking is the word of God speaking. The only thing that will shut up your own yammering is the word of God. So get it in your heart. Get it on the, write it on a three by five card and stick it on your mirror. Write it on a three by five card and put it in your purse. Write it on a three by five card and memorize it. Look at it each night. Look at it each morning. Remember again who he is. In Romans 8 verse 32, it says... I'll start in 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son. Now right there, that's where I give. Because I can tell you I wouldn't give him up for anything. But this says, he who would not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's where I go, okay, Lord, I agree with you. You're going to tell me that I need to move on. And I say, Lord, all my people, all my stuff, 
And then I read, I gave my son and everything you will ever need. Agree with me. And I relent. Okay, Lord. You graciously gave me all things, and you gave your son for me. I won't hold anything. I'll let it go. I'll agree. And when I say I'll agree, I'm going to keep reminding myself I'm concurring with him. I'm conceding. I'm admitting. Um, Matthew Henry's commentary, which is a biblical commentary that says, it says, uh, fall in line with his interests. This is agree through Matthew Henry's commentary. Fall in line with his interests. Because a lot of times the reason I can't agree is because I'm worried about my interests. You know? I'm worried about my part in this. What I will lose. What I will lack. And this is saying when I'm agreeing with God, I'm falling in line with his interests. Falling in line with his interests. And then it says, act no longer in opposition. Not speak no longer in opposition, because we're great at this. We're great at saying, yes, I agree, everyone should be doing that. And then we act in opposition. But this says, act no longer in opposition. So it's not just saying, let your words be yea and amen with God's word. It's saying, let your actions be yea and amen with God's word. That's agreement. So if I say, yes, Lord, I relent, I agree, but then I don't pack any boxes, and I continue buying stuff, and I'm not acting in agreement. I'm acting in opposition. I remember we were at ladies' retreat once, and uh, I don't even remember what we were doing or why we were doing it, but there was some sort of wrestling going on, and at a ladies' retreat, that usually doesn't happen. I mean, <laughs> men's retreat, there may be wrestling that goes on. I don't know. I mean... I haven't been there. But at a ladies' retreat, we're usually not wrestling. But for some reason, one, somebody was trying to, I think it may have been, we were trying to get Julianne Niles to do something that she didn't want to do, go in the hot tub or something. So somebody was trying to pick her up and, and man, you know, manhandle her into whatever it was that we were going to have her do. And Julianne Niles is a small person. She's a, a slender gal. And she, I'll never forget, she put herself like this. Like somehow she was going to be bigger that way. I don't know what she thought. Or she could make herself way more by doing that. But she, ugh, like this. And they just picked her up and carried her off and did whatever with her. That's just what they did. But sometimes I feel like I'm doing that with God. God's saying, I'm going to pick you up and put you over here. And I'm going, <coughs> can I make myself bigger and heavier so maybe you can't pick me up? But I, want, I don't want to act in opposition to him. I want to give in. I want to concur with him and be willing to be moved and movable in his hands. There's also God is love. So if ever you're questioning that or saying, God, why would a loving God be doing this? Go back and remember. Acquaint yourself with who he is. Now, uh, this happened in Job's story. Do you know of this part of Job's story, when God acquaints himself again with Job? Do you know this part of the story? If you don't, again, I'm going to encourage you to read Job because it's an awesome book for reacquainting yourself with who God is. 
So in chapter 38 of Job, he starts to get a response from the Lord. Now, um, there's a lot of chapters of him yammering, I will tell you. You have to work through. But in Job chapter 38, it starts the chapter by saying, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, <laughs> I'm gonna, it says, uh, I'm going to pop down to, well, no, I'll go ahead and read it. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Prepare yourself like a man, for I will question you, and you shall answer me. So when, I, when we read this, of course, uh, with my kids, and when Michaela and Samantha heard that, they thought it was hysterical, that God would say, prepare yourself like a man. And so they started saying to each other, take it like a man. So whenever you see my girls, if they're going to tell something they know is going to be rough, they'll say to each other, take it like a man. So I figured on Father's Day this was pretty good. Take it like a man. Okay, this is what God says. Take it like a man. Prepare yourself like a man, for I will question you, and you shall answer me. Now, what, what have we told you about when God starts questions? Do you know what we've said? Be very careful when God starts asking you questions. Because it isn't that he doesn't know the answer. So it usually is that you don't know the answer. Am I right? When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and God came to walk with them in the cool of the evening and said, where are you? Was it because he didn't know where they were? No. Was it because they didn't know where they were? Yes. They had no idea what they had gotten themselves into and out of. And so when God begins to question you, even just recently, Brian was fasting, and the Lord said, why are you fasting? And I said to him when he told me that God said this, I said, oh. <laughs> if you're fasting and God asks you why you're fasting, okay, let me answer this correctly here. I, I think I'm fasting for this. So whenever he asks you questions, you be very I mean, perk your ears. Be very conscious of what's going on. So he says, prepare yourself like a man, for I will question you, and you shall answer me. Now, I'm just going to read a very little portion of this, but I will tell you that there are three chapters, 38 through 42, of some responses of God, and they are all fantastic. But they're similar to this. This is, acquaint yourself with me. In verse 4, it says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare, if you have understanding, who has determined its measurements, if you know? Or who has stretched the line upon it? To what are its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning star sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Are you getting the acquaint yourself with me again? 
Or who shut up the sea with the doors when it broke forth and went out of the womb? When I made the cloud its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and broke up for it my decreed place and set bars and doors and said, This far you will come and no farther, and here your proud waves will be stopped. Acquaint yourself with that, God. You stand on our beach and realize those waves stop right where he said they would. Now, I walk along, and pretty soon a bigger wave comes, and I'm running, and oh, I've soaked my pants, and I do it every time I go to the beach. But God knows where they're going to stop. That's who he is. That's acquainting yourself again with who he is. And when you see him that big, then is it easier to check that I agree with you, God? I agree with you, God. Have you commanded the morning in your days? Oops, I'm not answering that one, I can tell you right now. And caused the dawn to know its place, that it might take hold of the ends of the earth, that the wicked might be shaken out of it? I mean, go on and on and on and on in this, and you will see that it is painting a picture of God that you will be able to agree with. You will be saying, uh-huh, absolutely. And so we'll, you can read all of this, and it goes on more and more. And I will look at verse 40, or the, at chapter 40 here, because it brings us back to what happens to us when we start acquainting ourselves again with God. Verse four, chapter 40 of Job says in verse 3, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I will lay my hand over my mouth. Once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. So we want to say, God, this isn't fair. Where you have me isn't good. I never asked for it. I didn't want to be here. I don't like where you have me. I don't like what you're doing in my life. And then God says, can I tell you who I am? Can I, can I tell you about who I am? Can you go and acquaint yourself again with who it is that's talking to you? And I have a little wood plaque in my house that I bought at a, the antique mall in Camas. And it says, Lord, keep your hand or your arm around my shoulder and your hand over my mouth. Because I will do that. And I just need the Lord to go, uh-huh, shush. And this is what Job is saying here. God, all those things I said, I'm zipping my lip. I'm agreeing with you. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't understand who you were. I forgot to acquaint myself again with who you were. Acquaint myself again with who you were. 
I know it's hard. I mean, I'm talking to fathers and saying, you're in a situation you don't like. You're, you're not able to do what you want to do. You're trying to be over your family. You're trying to provide for your family. You're trying to you know, build relationships with your children. And sometimes God has you in a spot that's so difficult. And it's, it's hard not to be constantly frustrated. And that comes out in your family. It's hard not to kind of buck against God on these things and push against God for what's going on. And we always need to seek his face when we're in trouble and pray and ask the Lord for help. But sometimes, just like with Paul and with Job, there'll be situations where he'll just say, agree with me and be at peace. Agree with me. And that's where you have to go back, okay, God, this is a hard thing, but I'm going to find out who you are. I'm going to remember again who you are so that I can agree with you. So in agreement, there is partnership. There's partnership with the Almighty God. There's partnership with the creator of the universe. There's partnership with the Father who loves you. There's partnership with the one who has the cattle on a thousand hills, who has seen everything beforehand, who's outside of time, who's given his all for you, who is love. There's partnership with that God if there's agreement with him. Agreement with him. Agreement with him. All right, the last point is that there is power in agreement. Power in agreement. Um, this is in Matthew, and it's one of the most common verses that people would refer to if they were talking about agreement in the Scripture. Matthew 18, 19 through 20. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. For where two or three are assembled in my name, there I am in their midst. Now, first glance, this may seem like, okay, this is the key here. I don't like the situation that's going on in my life, so I'll get a couple of people to agree with me. We'll agree in prayer. Then we agree as touching any one thing, and it has to change. Now, what part of the verse are they not following through on there? In my name? In my name. It doesn't say... As Brian will often say, write your name in there. That is not one of the places you write your name in there. So we get together and agree, but the most important first person we have to agree with in order to access power is God. And in that way, it can be just two or more. Two can mean me and God. Me and God, we agree. God and I, we agree. And then I can say I can access his power. Maybe I do come alongside to a partner in, in the church and say, will you agree with me in this and pray with me in this? And that's great because it's someone with skin on that knows what you're going through and you can pray with. But don't think that it is some sort of a majority rule with God. I've got not only three people, God, I've got the entire church. We've all agreed this is not a good plan. I have yet to see God go, oh, well, then okay. <laughs> That's not who he is. So no matter how many people you get in agreement with your side of things, and you're praying about it fervently, if you haven't agreed with him, you're not in agreement. 
you don't have that for where two or three are assembled in my name. That's agreement with him first. And then where the power comes. Now, obviously, if a group of people comes together, there can be power in that. I mean, we've seen, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but if you've watched the news at all, you probably have protesters down in Portland that they a mass amount of people. They stop traffic. They cause havoc, all sorts of things. So that has a bit of power of its own. Just a group of people has some power of its own. But it isn't power that really produces anything, right? It, other than chaos. This is power that produces because it's power that is connected with God. It says, there I am in the midst of them. That's where the power comes. So even if we go back to um, the verse, or the uh, Corinthians verse, sorry. Let me see if I can find it again. There it is. In 2 Corinthians, I asked the Lord three times. This is Paul. Remember, he didn't like his situation. Three times that, he, that it might depart from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most boldly, most gladly, I will boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may dwell in me. The power comes with agreement. He would not access that power to overcome his situation if he didn't first agree with God, if he didn't first consent, uh, concur, admit, get into line with God. If he was still bucking against what God had put in his life, would he be able to access the power? No. So if you want strength to be able to endure and get through in a specific situation, You have to first say, okay, God, I give. It's your way, not mine. It's your interests, not mine. It's your plan, not mine. And I consent. I concur. I agree. And then you have that partnership. And then you have that power that comes for being a father, for being a mother, for overcoming adversity, for getting through a tough situation. And I don't just say this to you, I say it to me, because this is what I have to do too. We all do. It's not easy to agree, but this is what he's asking us to do. Agree with me. Agree with me. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word that does not leave us without instruction, Lord, and does not leave us without help. Through your Holy Spirit, through your word, God, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. And God, I ask that each, each one here, Lord, fathers and mothers and children, sisters, brothers, aunts, uncles, grandparents, God, there's a situation that they're just saying, I can't agree with you on this, God. Oh, Lord, just show them yourself. Just open up bigger their view of who you are. 
God, give them an opportunity to see the love you have for them and the great plan that you have. Lord, we are not, not creatures that comply easily. We are not creatures that submit easily. But we want to be for you. We can submit to you. We can agree with you, God. So I ask each one, Lord, they're thinking about a specific situation, a specific person, a specific area, God, that we're just fighting and bucking against, Lord. I pray right now that you would just reveal yourself greater, that they might acquaint themselves with you, Lord, and access the power to overcome and to be at peace. Lord, bring peace by your Spirit in families, in situations, in workplaces, God, and in this church. By your Spirit, Lord. Let us walk in agreement with you, Lord. We agree, God. I believe they have uh, some stuff for fathers, is that correct? At the back doors, so at each door. So we thank you for coming. I hope you have a chance to spend time with your father and uh, enjoy that. It is a gift. Our fathers are gifts to us. And so make your way out. Enjoy your afternoon. Intentional ministry starts, but first it starts with your dad. So make sure you make connection there. Thank you for coming. I don't know how to get this off.